You're listening to the iRacers Lounge podcast, where we discuss everything iRacing in a casual setting. Enjoy. Welcome to the iRacers Lounge. I'm your host, Mike Ellis. iRacers Lounge is a podcast for the iRacer, where we talk all things iRacing in a casual setting. Joining me are the usual characters, Brian McCubbin. Howdy ho, everyone. Kyle Pendigraft. I'm still recovering from the Daytona 24. Yep, we're here. And David Hall. I'm just fine. Well, on today's show, we'll do a full review of the 24 hours of Daytona, including the Tifosi team results and all of the rest. Our racing releases a mid-season patch, including a new track and much-anticipated adjustment to the next-gen cup cars. And remember, everyone, you can follow along with us on your PC or mobile device in real time as you listen to the show and see for yourself all these great topics and products we'll discuss visiting iracerslounge.com and selecting show notes. So we hope to see you then. Sim Coaches offers the realistic sim racing equipment you need to win races online. It is designed for real racers. Hydraulic construction makes them feel just like the real thing. High quality construction, 100% leak proof, and lifetime warranty are the key features with these pedals, and they look absolutely amazing. Check out simcoaches.com and use the coupon code iRacersLounge to get 10% off your purchase. Simcoaches.com is your ticket to feel like you're actually sitting behind the wheel of a car. Drive harder and stay on the limit longer. Well, in case you haven't heard, we had a 24-hour race this weekend, and we're gonna do we're gonna talk everything about that, starting with the guys at the iRacers Lounge who were uh, geared up for their start uh, s- Sunday, the 24 hours. We had an LMP team and a GTE team, and we got a tweet from Tony, I think, showing the Ferrari uh, GT3 Evo. Yeah, we did pretty good. Um, P5, so. We're going to talk about our races here first, uh, but uh, I, I had a good stint in the car. I mean, three hours or so, um, three three stints. I didn't take tires at all. I ran. I felt comfortable enough to run all three on the same set um, to try to gain an advantage because we were racing this one team uh, consisting of ex-teammate Dalton Mobley, among others, and uh, we were neck and neck with those guys uh, for like fourth and fifth. Uh, they ended up beating us at the end of the race, but during the you know the three hours I was in the car, it was fun racing against those guys. Uh, I think I only had one X. It was the lowest of the team, and that's my bragging point for the weekend. Uh, but yeah, I ran some fast laps. We had a little bit of damage on the front corner. I think uh, Tony Rochette got it uh, damaged a little bit, but uh, Tyler uh, did great. Brian, you did great. Uh, Tony Groves and and Chris. Uh, scales finished out the the race brian what do you how was your race um so we had a had a really good race i thought um i wasn't super fast you guys were putting up times a little quicker than i was but 
I was really, I was really safe. Um, and, that, and that's the key to a race that lasts 24 hours is you got to be in there. You know, if you lose a, a half a second, a lap, that's going to well make up for time when you're sitting in the pit road for 10 minutes for repairs by a long shot. So, um, I wound up doing five different stints. So I was close to five hours in the car. Um, we had to make some arrangements when, uh, when uh, Chris Scales uh, misread the schedule, he was. We thought he was gonna. He was scheduled to come in at one o'clock, and he thought he's. It was gonna be at three o'clock. So I was finishing up a stint just before one, and uh, waiting for Chris. I was like, we can't find Chris. We don't know where he's at. So uh, Tony wound up taking it from me to because he had the first three, and then uh, I took the second half of Chris's stint, and then uh, hopped back in later that night. But. Um, so I was really happy with the way I wrote, drove. Um, and uh, very early in my first stint, um, we were heading into turn one. Um, I was there was another car who was a, la a lap or two down with me, and uh, the leader was coming behind us into that turn. And well, he he dove, he dive bombed us underneath, which was okay. I gave him plenty of room up top. Um, I gave him plenty of room on the bottom. I went high, and the car behind me didn't check up fast enough. Gave me, hit, tapped me in the back just a little bit, uh, but it was enough for 4X. But that was that was the only incident I had the entire five stints. So um, I know Mike, you said you only had one one incident point, and uh, I only had one incident, but I got four four X from it. It didn't cause any damage to the car, but um, you know I stayed in on I stayed on the concrete the whole whole rest of my uh, stints. So I was really happy with that. Like I said, I wasn't super fast, but um, you know. When I first started the stint, we were in like 15th place. My very first stint, we were in 15th. Uh, Tony did a great job. He started the race. He did a three-hour stint and, uh, you know, started in the pits, was was in like 35th place at the start of the race. And when I got it after his three, we were up to 15th. So Tony did a great job in the first couple stints. I, I kind of like held par. You know, I think we might have made up one or two positions. And then by the time I got back in the car later that night, uh, yeah, we were battling for top five at that point. Imagine if we didn't start in the pits, though. I mean, what kind of track position we would have had? I don't think a in a race where you have, what is it, about 800 laps that you run, right? I don't think half a lap made that big of a difference. Maybe, maybe, yeah. the, maybe the one spot, but no, it's kind of right. like worrying about qualifying in a 500 mile race when you're giving somebody a 500 feet head start. Well, you could argue, you know, it saved us from getting wrecked too. Exactly. Although um, I think when Tony started from the pits, there's probably about a dozen cars that started with him there. So <laughs> it didn't really keep us away from traffic as much as we might've thought. Well, we started, we were, uh, we started off being, um, pretty low in the rankings of, of, of our split. We were in a pretty tough split. So I knew I was going to, we were going to qualify really low. So I basically, I think I, I think I completely skipped qualifying or intentionally zero exit. it. And we just started in the back of the LMPs, but that way we didn't have to drive through all the GTEs or th GTDs. Did that, did that give you a pit stall all the way in the back, which is those really tricky ones? No, cause we were the back of the LMPs. We were okay, so top 20 something. So you were still in the middle, even though you were the last of the LMPs. Then that's good, because yeah. that that rear that rear uh, pit stop pit stall can be really tricky. Okay, and then I gotta mention, um, Tyler. I turned off my HDR Williamson. Uh, he decided he wanted to turn off the HDR because he was 
uh, driving during the sun up or the sunrise. Uh, Brian, I think you were maybe spotting during that time, but what did he say about the sunrise and all that? Uh, I didn't see him at that particular point. Uh, I wasn't in the car with him at that point, but I knew he was really excited. And um, so this was first Tyler's first team event or endurance race or anything like that. And uh, he did fantastic. He did really good. Um, I think he kept his incident points to maybe five or something like that in two in four stints. So uh, really good. He was putting down f some fast lap times too. So um, man, he he did great. I did spend a lot of time with him, but I don't remember him commenting on uh, on any of the sunrise effects, unfortunately. All right, and then you guys in the fast car, you got the P eight, Kyle. Uh, tell us about your run. Uh, well, it started out actually pretty decent. I was I ran uh, two t two different times in the race, and the first time I got to my third stint, or I guess I'm sorry, I got to my second stint of it, and I was getting ready to come in for pits. I was probably two laps out from pitting, and I come into turn one, and as I'm downshifting, the traction control kicks in, and it just takes over, spins the car out. I end up getting t-boned. So I had to end up going. I tried to drive around, uh, but the car was just too damaged. I ended up towing. Uh, luckily, the tow wasn't too long of a wait. Uh, so we only had to, think we had to sit for like a minute at most to tow. And then it was like two minutes repair. So it wasn't too terribly bad. Got back out, uh, refueled. Basically, I ended up running four stints in that, uh, that first time around. The curbing in the bus stop was probably my biggest downfall for the whole race. Um, I hit it. A handful of times spun out from it um so i've got to ever since they did the new scan with daytona yeah, the they put that curb there and it's hard to break old habits because i always used to kind of cut that corner and so now to not cut that corner has been a difficult one for me to kind of change but other than that the great the race one for me went great uh, i enjoyed it like i said i got got down on myself a few times with those you know spin outs and then getting t-boned but you know all in all i i thoroughly had a really good time that was probably the worst luck you guys had i from what i heard i mean so we had tom dryling in the car richard lucky those guys were quick right and uh david i mean you and greg uh had your runs i mean what what did you think of your overall run are you happy i could have been worse could have been better uh we did we had we had kyle's incident and then uh richard had a an unavoidable spin in front of him that hurt the car for Twice. Like five minutes. Right. Uh-huh. And then, um, someone came, Oh, you, Kyle, you had a issue with your, sh with the pit limiter wouldn't turn off. Yeah. You had to run I a went to lap. take over for Richard and I only had to run a whole lap with my pit limiter on because my stream deck decided it didn't want to function for whatever reason. Yeah. So we ran it, we ran it, you know, so we had some problems with as many problems as we did have. I, I would, I would like to say, I like the fact that they, they patched sometime in the previous year. I don't remember which patch they adjusted it so that when the LMPs get hammered, you can at least fix the steering and make the car fun to drive again. Cause if, if it had been a, a, over a year ago and we took that kind of hit that Kyle took the race would have been over cause I'm not driving for 24 hours with the car sideways on, or with the wheel sideways and I'm going to straight away, it, you know, it would have, would have been less possible. So that change made it a lot more fun. We might've been missing a little bit of top speed from a completely clean car, but it was at least still controllable and we could race. So, uh, I opened the race. I, I like to start the race cause I can, when I'm 
when I switch into just protect the car mode, I, I do a pretty good job of just not putting it anywhere where it shouldn't be. Um, kept it clean, took a lot of places where I could have put it inside an, a GT before we got to the corner, but just waited, kept it clean and then gave it to Greg and, 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 uh, Richard to really put down some crazy lap times. So those, those guys were the speedsters, uh, could have been worse. I had 20x over six hours, but those were all off tracks. You know, uh, I did a pretty good job of avoiding the curb, but I would go too far to the left and take a 1x as a result of setting up to not hit the curb. I had a problem with my third-party apps during the race all week, actually, with this uh, configuration of cars and tracks. And so I couldn't run sim racing apps during my stints. But other, other than that, it was good. Uh you know, the races kicked off well. We didn't hear about, um, you know, delays really and problems and disconnects. Um, so let's look at the stats. Steve Myers put up a, a tweet, uh, 3,911 teams with 1,570 d- declared drivers. Um, two teams wow. registered for all four sessions. Seven customers declared as drivers for four sessions. And there were over 22,000 members online. Now, that's interesting. I would like to know if those two teams that registered for all four sessions were able to have drivers jump back and forth between the sessions. Because I'm in a situation for Bathurst where I might want to try to do that. So I want to know if, I want to know who that team was. And, and I imagine they would have to be able to do that, right? How else would you, how would you pull that off? I, I guess so, unless they wrecked for each other, wrecked out of the first four. Just because <laughs> they say they registered doesn't mean they actually raced, right? Yeah, I. Uh, you could always. I mean, you can always. You can't withdraw the team though once you're in, but each driver can withdraw. So I, 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 I don't know. It'd be neat to to find out if that can happen or not. Uh, we might, might try to get some more details on that because I've I've got the guys that I ran uh, spa with. I think last year want me to run with them, but also I know Greg and Kyle want to run back here. So I'm going to, I'm either going to run both or I'm going to have to tell the other guys, sorry. All right. So this next, so we talked about our results team to Fosi. We had sorry. great. I mean, P4, uh, uh, P8, you know, that, uh, that's pretty good. Hey Mike, I, I want to make a slight correction. I think you said that it was 1500 declared drivers. It was 15,000 declared 15, drivers. 15,000. Wow. That's crazy. That's uh, that's a big event, but we'll talk about that in a minute. So let's bust through uh, this next section. We're going to talk about other winners or podium. And I, I went through social media and I just found everybody who raced, who posted in social media that I could see that won their race and uh, put up a post. And so le- I thought it'd be cool to acknowledge those. So let's kind of bust through those, Brian. Okay. The first one we found on um Twitter was uh, the team of Skull Sim Gear. Skull Sim Gear. They won their GTE split in the uh, 24 hours with uh, the drivers of Robbie Tier, Mark Heron, Andy Hansen, Yaz Sami, and Chris Skull. So uh, congratulations to Sim Gear who uh, won their GTE split. Next up was uh, a Coke Series driver, Casey Kerwin. He was part of an LMPT. LMP2 team that won their split in the 24. He posted that they had to come back from two and a half laps down after lagging out. So uh, 
they were in the middle of the race and somebody lagged out and wound up coming back two and a half laps down, but they were able to make up the, uh, make up that distance and had some good luck and wound up winning their, winning their split. So congratulations to Casey Kerwin and his team. Mike, yeah. I'm going to interrupt you on the next one. Just so you know, that's not GTE on the script that you have coming up next. It's GTD. There is no GTE this year. Oh, that's right. Huh? Yeah. So on this one, it was a top split winner. Uh, Denmark drivers, Lasse Bach, Mikkel, Gade and Lasse Sorensen of Fyra Simsport were the top split winners uh, in the lower division of the 24 Hours of Daytona. So congratulations to them. We also had the LMP2 top split winners of Apex Racing Team, Peter Berryman, Johan Harth, Michelle Costantini, and Maxim Briant on the top split and overall winners. Uh, those are some heavy hitters. Uh, Wow. Yeah, that those are all big names uh, in iRacing. You know, Max Berryman, he was he was the winner of the Jet Car World Championship. Johan Harth is a Porsche uh, series driver. Uh, Constantini, he was a winner in that um, Jet Car series as well. So, uh, yeah, really top, top performance uh, guys. And, we talked uh, about Brigant last week. I don't remember what it was, but... Well, yep. two, form, yep. two former guests of the show uh, paired up and had a, just ran it with just two. So they're probably 12 hours each. Uh, Garrett Maines, Coke driver, and Vicente Salas. They both won the top split of the GT division in the 24. And you, and you might, we might mention this. You're hearing several top split winners. Well, there was four different sessions. So, man, that's tough with just two people. Yeah, that's a lot of driving, but. Two really good drivers. I wonder. I don't. I mean, we don't. We all know how well they are in oval. I wonder uh, what their acumen is in the road course. You know how what what where their split wound up being. I would imagine it's still pretty high. Well, it was the top split, and I mean, both of those guys are also pros in the uh, rallycross, so they they can turn right. Also, we had a uh, Cozy Junior. He won his top split, or Michael Cozier. That probably is how it's pronounced, and I'm. Yeah, here's the rest of the team. It's cozy. It is cozy? Okay. Um, and I'm not going to read off the Twitter names, but you can check the check the uh, the tweet to see the rest of his teammates. David Childhouse was on that team. Yeah, I, I do recognize that one. I just don't want to read that, that per- particularly that first one. <laughs> well, um, Michael Cozy Jr., he was the uh, winner of last year's Firecracker 400, if you remember that. The, uh, that really cool uh, uh, 87 87- NASCAR track uh, Daytona win. This next one was a bit surprising to me. Yeah, I didn't uh, hear that he was in doing too much iRacing, but uh, NASCAR driver Justin Allgaier, him and his team won the GT split at the 24. So, uh, yeah, so uh, apparently Justin Allgaier is, uh, is turning left as well. All right. Also, uh, some more Coke Series drivers in the 24. Um, teammates uh, or teammates Blake Reynolds and Alan Bose, both Coke Series drivers, along with their other teammates, Blake Bryant, Hogan Garrison, and Sean Butler. They uh, were on the Dead Zone Racing Gold team, and they took the win in their LMP2 split. So congratulations to those guys. Yep, and Twitch streamer Steel Horse Live posted he won his split and the Daytona 24 LMP2 car. Uh, running the number 69, driving 69 laps, and having 69 incident total points. Well done, Steel Horse Live. That's a lot of incident points and still coming away with a W. Uh, hopefully, they were mostly off tracks. 
because you know that's a lot of damage if you're if you're getting four X's all along the way. When's the drive-through? A hundred or? Yeah, the yeah, drive-through was a hundred. We had it. We had ninety-two X. We finished with ninety-two X. So you you can if you do a lot of road racing, you don't you get accustomed to in, in just intentionally taking a lot of one X's. You can get away with them. It's not like every little X is is death. Um, I had 20 X in six hours and gained 0.6 or seven I rating. So you're, you're accustomed to being able to push it. I know we had a half of our X's halfway through the race and had to take it a little bit easier the rest of the night, but we, we still pulled it off. Next, the guys from Sim Party Racing won their LMP2 split. Never even heard of that team before. Uh, it was Matt, Brad, Ryan, Ollie, and Jordan. Well done. How about Indy Audio Sport, Tokyo Drift? They won their split in the Mercedes AMG GTE. That's uh, Mar- at Martin Sports uh, 906, Sim Racing Coin, and at Lunatic Racing. Joe Yakes on that team. I know that guy. And Arrow CHS. Hey, that's my school's uh, letters. They won the 24 as well. Uh, they did it. They won the 24 hours. Words don't describe the relief they feel right now. Their tweet doesn't really say they're uh, their teammates. You know, I asked him, uh, I did uh, reply to him and say, who, who won the team, uh, you know, the race with you. And he did reply. Arrow did. And he said, it's Katie Haight, Jason Blaney, Kate and hack and Raul Rios. Uh, we know Katie Haight. We ran with her in NIS, what, two years ago. Yeah. So, uh, Alex Tagliana, Tagliani, he posted on Instagram. This is really cool that, um, He's 23 hours into the race, um, pulls out of the pit and side by side with the with the other leader. So he was coming out with a, with one hour to go and showed the picture of him pulling out of the pits with the uh, with the uh, co-leader uh, side by side with him. So uh, really cool uh, post there. Um, didn't really I couldn't find out how they finished though. Oh, he won it. He did win it. Okay. Yeah. I, I didn't I know I didn't have access to anything else on that uh, link. So, um, yeah, so congratulations. So that's pretty cool coming out with one hour to go side by side with the leader. You know, you're going to have a, a stressful last hour of that race. I mean, Alex Tagliani is one of my hero racing heroes, too. <laughs> he used to be an IndyCar. I imagine he was up near the top split, would be my guess. This next one, Brian, we didn't even have a name on this one, but it was cool. Yeah, it's uh, everything I racing. Uh, posted uh what an amazing experience thank you for epic fail motorsports team for letting me run with the big dogs so uh they raced at the they finished uh p12 and he's 12 years old so wow that was a that was a really cool link i did see some of that this uh 12 year old kid uh finished p2 with the lmps nonetheless so a car that's even harder to drive so congratulations to those guys Next up, we have uh, Podium Esports announcer Taylor Burris. He won his LMP2 split. So finally, his first uh, Rolex 24 win, he says, thanks to Tony, Podium Esports and Team Hype Sim and all the other drivers, Richard Reagan. And uh, so they're, uh, they're ready to go take on the mountain at Bathurst next. All right. And then we got Balls Out wins their LMP2 split. Uh, balls Out Racing, I guess is what they call it. Kyle Smalley. J.D. Weaver, Marcus Adams, uh, Ty LeClerc. And then uh, we got a nice side-by-side for the win video uh, between Driven Motorsports and Triple S Racing, uh, iRacing posted up. Um, and it came down to literally a few feet apart at the end. And uh, 
it was track position. The guy that uh, it was in the lead, you know, on that final lap really ended up winning it because he was in the lead on the final lap and they tried hard. It was nice, clean racing. Uh, really cool to watch that it comes, you know, comes down to that long. I mean, we talked earlier about starting in the pit and you said, Oh, what's a half a lap? Well, this is what a half a lap is. Yeah, so uh, if you do a little math, you know, most of these teams were running at least 800 laps for the win. Isn't that right, David? About 800 laps to win that thing. So, you know, they're eight, over 800 laps. That's over 3,200 miles of racing, and it comes down to a couple of feet after 24 hours. That's just amazing. Even, uh, um, you know, you don't time your driving changes or your tire changes right. Like, you, you take too many tires that that could make the difference. I mean, I mean, when it's like that tight, I mean, you really gotta be on your toes. If you think about how many chime, how many races were run with all the different splits, though, it's inevitable that somebody's going to finish this close. There was one last year that was a really close, uh, uh, close finish as well. Um, still, it just seems so improbable um, yeah. that that it happens like that. Four or five years so, ago, I got past. Uh, in the last uh, 20 or so minutes with the car with less damage. We were, but we were fighting with a damaged car and still running, running first, but I just couldn't hold them off. So let me ask you guys opinion on this real quick. So you you got a team of five guys, let's say and you're running, you're coming down to the last step of the race. And, you know, maybe you have a schedule like we do. So what driver goes, when this person, this person, this person, and, uh, you know, you're coming down to your last stint. And uh, do you make changes to the roster based on who uh, finishes that last stint? If you're, like, in a real close battle for the lead, like maybe your last guy who you have scheduled might not be your fastest. I sure. almost, I try to almost always schedule one of our faster guys at the end. That's why I had Greg closing for us. Okay. So it's typically, you know, like an anchor leg of a relay race. You know, you have a, the, your strongest leg last Okay, David, this may be the single largest motorsport participant event in the world. It is. And I wasn't, was it you that kind of called this last week? I believe I did. Yeah. Um, Parker Kligerman was chatting with Steve Myers and speculated that it may be the biggest 24 hour event basically in motorsports ever anywhere. Uh, Steve, Steve replied as well, thinks that he could be right and we can't think of anything else. So I guess that means it outdid last year's numbers by far yeah i think that would be the only thing that might might come close that's pretty neat to be involved in that race just to say hey i've I've been in the biggest race ever i guess you could call it that i really like this next idea too brian yeah this uh was something steve myers posted and he posted the thought a thought that uh jack flurman uh flutman uh posted he said uh you know can we add certificates for podium finishes for special events like the day 20, Daytona 24, like uh, greatest sim race in the world, uh, monikers like uh, we were just talking about, deserve certificates. And uh, Steve Myers thought it was a great idea, something that maybe they'd be looking into. He even mentions oh. that they may throw it back and re- react reactively and, and get, get certificates for all the previous races. Yeah, that's a, that's a great idea because he's, you know, just to win your split in a, in a race with that many participants or podium in, in a split is, is a big deal. You know, there's just so much, so many people in it. It's, it's really tough to do. Yeah. Pretty neat. I'm happy with our result. Uh, 
I'm sorry, P5, right? Or P4? P5. 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 Man, it's still a top five and love it, love it, love it. Um, yeah, we were we were thinking like a top 15 would be really good. Right. And we wound up getting a top five. That's just crazy. Add to that. Key, really? You had, well, I, I want to mention though, you didn't have LMPs, so that was P5 out of 40, not P5 out of 20. Yeah, that's a good point. The race a lot easier without the LMPs too. That is true. Probably kept the incident points down. But easier for everybody. True. So, um, I, I think I think part of the key is just getting off to a great start, and that's what Tony did for us. He drove the first three stints, you know, pulled it in in, in a top fifteen already with uh, you know hardly any incident points. And you know, when you get handed a car that's in really good shape and is already in a good position, you know, you might focus a little bit harder and uh and um really really put in a little extra effort when you know that you know you were handed off a good car and a good finish when i got in the car it was a seventh and i got it when i got out it was fifth so and they ended up keeping it in fifth you know over those 12 hours after that so well done let's move on uh, monday night league racing is Going to host season four finale live at the Carolina Esports Hub, um, and so it'll be in front of a live audience on the February seventh. And uh, Carolina Esports Hub, uh, remember they started a Coke team and uh, this Carolina Esports thing, and uh, so they're a Coke team, but uh, they have this facility, you know, and they're and and how cool is this to, oh, you know we need a broadcaster for our league. You know, that's what everybody's talking about. Well, how about let's step it up boys. Let's go and have a live event where all the racers show up at a facility and we race and there's an audience. And uh, yeah, I mean, it doesn't get better than that. Does it? Well, they're not, I don't think they're going to be able to be able to really get every single racer, even though this is a league of mostly industry people. So there's right, a in Charlotte. Chance. Yeah. <laughs> How cool. And I hope there's a, I hope they have like cameras where we can see it, you know, and, and, uh, whatnot during the broadcast. So, uh, very cool Monday night racing is, uh, definitely the league that's getting it done. This next one I'm going to introduce, but I'm going to pass it to you, Mike, because I, I didn't get to watch any videos in prep this week. Uh, race department has posted a YouTube video talking about what iRacing does, does best as a race simulation. Yeah, they put up an article and a video, basically. Um, and, you know, no shocker, uh, you know, the, he ends up saying that the online experience and specifically the scale of the online system uh, is what where iRacing shines. Uh, it's just the vast number of races with well-populated grids, you know, across, you know, anything you, you, you can pick. You know, I went into hosted today earlier in the day 10,000 people are online you know early in the day on a weekday yeah i uh, i did watch this video as well um he did mention uh, uh that a matter of fact he, he thought that there was another sim that was uh that might have been better and then after after reviewing iRacing more he was like now nah, this is this is much better as far as the uh, online experience goes he also touted the damage model not necessarily the the graphical part of it, but the um, consequences part of it. How um, you know you know we all we all know how um, incident points 
uh, get tallied and how it affects your safety rating and how important that safety rating is to your overall um, your overall standings and and where you get placed in races and licenses. So uh, that was another thing that he had mentioned that was uh, that iRacing does really well compared to other sims. Yeah, community. You know the you know the i rating system works. You know no matter what anybody says, you end up racing people that are in your skill level, and uh, and that's key. Another one of those things that the i the uh, i racing does do well is kind of save some historical tracks and in some cases maybe even bringing them back to life how about that though brian yeah this actually uh came from bob, bob Packris. uh he tweeted that the track owner marcus smith has some renderings of a possibly of possibly what a revised north wilkesboro speedway would look like so uh in this tweet he has a photo um i guess that came from marcus smith with uh with uh with uh, cars going around North Wilkesboro with uh, you know updated grandstands and uh, and signage um, and all the things you would expect to see in a in a modern uh, NASCAR track. So I mean, does does this? I know that uh, well, G Dale Jr. basically single handedly resurrected this track from, from obscurity and uh, really got it you know, got it clean, you know, got it cleaned up to the point where iRacing could scan it. Everybody is reminiscing about what a great track it was. And the interest has come back to the point where, you know, it's a possibly a resurrected track for, to hold real races. That's what I, I was going to say. I mean, Marcus Smith would never, this wouldn't even be on his radar if Dale Jr. didn't push to get this in iRacing. And yeah. that's what's led to this. And so, that's really neat that, you know, it's going in reverse kind of thing. Like, oh, we went and cleaned up the track. We scanned it for iRacing. And, and now the owners of the track are like, you know what? Maybe we can do something with this. And they're going to. Well, with one degree of separation, you mentioned Dell Jr. How about this next one, Brian, uh, Mike? Well, it's just a shout out. Obviously, Dale went into the, the Hall of Fame. Um, the NASCAR Hall of Fame. I watched the uh, induction ceremony and, you know, he, classic uh, Dale Jr. He talked about everybody else but himself, you know, talked about the people in his life that made him what he is. And and uh, it was a nice tribute. And uh, iRacing obviously put out a tribute to him as well. They did an article uh, on the website, um, you know, congratulations, a, a few social media posts. Uh, pretty cool. So, hey, congrats to... DJ. And to be honest with you, if there's a sim racing hall of fame, I don't see why Dale Jr. would not be in that as well. I mean, right. he was the first ever winner in the, in a, what's now the Coke series race. Um, and his, his um, enthusiasm and his uh, you know, contributions su supported. Yeah. Uh, this I racing is, has just made this what it is now and it's still growing. And, uh, and he's still using his influence to uh, to to make it grow even more as being, you know, actual part of the company now. I just hope he heard us the other day about Petty's Garage. Go go call Petty's Garage. Yeah. Well, we've talked about seat position and rig position and getting everything in the right place. I know Mike is always talking about field of view. This next guy has a video. His name is, uh, well, the, the channel name is Aztec Sim Sports. And they posted this video on the Facebook page about how to set your rig up for an, a more ergonomical fit. Uh, and I, I know this can be pretty important because of how 
painful it used to be to just race in an office chair. You know, it, you get two two hours into a race, and, and my tailbone would be screaming. Whereas now that I've got my my rig with the GT seat sitting at the GT angle, there's no pressure. I can go four hours and and never get uncomfortable. Uh, he goes into some details. Mike, did you get to to see it? It's not very long, but I still didn't get to watch it. I mean, he goes over the basics. We all know what they are, but it really boils down to rigidity um, is so important. And you can't be flopping around like a fish, as I call it. Um, you know, all the money I spent on this rig and Greg just spent on his rig that he's uh, building. That's why he's not on the show today. He just finished building it. He, he hasn't got his studio part put back together. Um and his rig is really looking good. But the reason we get these rigs and these racing chairs and all this rigidity is just for that rigidity. I mean, everything's just rock solid and nothing moves no matter what. Right. And um, along with the rigidity and the, and the, uh, the security of your unit, you know, positioning the, the wheel at a comfortable distance where your shoulders don't fatigue, you know, getting the seat in the right position and the pedals in the right length, you know, are, are all great keys to, to making this a more comfortable and, uh, and uh, rewarding experience. And that's all the different things that uh, Aztec uh, Sim Sports goes over in this video. So it's a really good watch. Uh, did you see where he said, I was glancing at the subtitles actually hopping around in the video. Did you notice, uh, Mike, he mentioned, be careful not to have the monitor too close to your eyes? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And so Greg and I were we were talking about that this week. He was he was asking, "Where should I put it?" And I'm like, "Well, right above the the steer, the steering wheel base, but you know, you get he went with 32s, and so he's probably going to put it a little bit farther back than you would if it was 27." So what's ours, Dave's like a three quarters of an inch away from our face? <laughs> roughly, roughly. I do keep I do keep the you know that face guard since I don't have to wear my gl wear glasses while I'm racing. Now that I've gotten used to it, the reverb is pretty comfortable. Good. So uh, next up, we have a, a post on the iRacing forums from Aussie Greg Hill, and he's basically saying that um, that the default sound system is now going to be the X Audio Two instead of the direct sound. So you don't have to use direct sound anymore. Uh, it's best to switch over to the X Audio Two. For, for the sound system in your game. Yeah, he makes it pretty blunt. You know, you need to switch, use the X-Audio 2. Now, those, this last paragraph, I think he wrote this for me. And I'm going to read this, but he says, LFE. It's not a good idea to run the LFE through the same sound device as your default sound system. This will destroy the sounds and cause weird phase artifacts. LFE is primarily, primarily for butt kickers, styled haptic transducers, not your regular speakers. David Tucker did a whole thread on this, but in a nutshell, get a separate device like a USB sound card and run the LFE out of your H or run the LFE out of your HDMI monitor if it supports audio. If you desire even more bass, then there is no substitute for a subwoofer or in-ear monitors, etc., etc. So that's exactly what I'm doing with my living room $500 uh, subwoofer. 15 inch subwoofer is I was running it through LFE and I had it turned up and I was getting some weird phase artifacts and it, it made it sound really kind of throaty and beefy to me. And I kind of like the sound of it now based on what they wrote here, I, I experimented. Uh, so I went and uh, 
took the 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 sound cable for the subwoofer and I plugged it into the HDMI audio out on one of my monitors. Like he said, hey, try it on a different source. And I couldn't make it work. So I don't know, maybe I don't have audio passing through the HDMI or something like that, but I couldn't figure it out. I put it back the way it was and I still like it with the bad phase, I guess. That is interesting. I might try that because the way I'm set up right now, my butt kicker, uh, it also gets all my music that's playing through my phone. So not only am I getting my car feedback, but I've got some crazy, uh, if it's something with a lot of bass, I'm feeling it in the chair. But I I wonder if that refers, if they specifically don't want you to run it, run LFE through your regular I guess speakers or headphones because I just run the headphones and run the butt kicker and I don't hear anything weird in my headphones. They sound pretty normal. He, he's basically saying don't run a, a subwoofer through LFE, even though that's what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I will say for the LFE people who have like a go XLR, uh, the settings are a little more difficult to set up, but once you get it, it's set. So uh, keep that in mind for anybody that has a go XLR. So David, are you running your, um, your butt kicker through iRacing or third party? iRacing, because I had I just have one and it has all the options I need. So um, I'd rather do that than have to run another set of software, right? So if it's one of those, if it ain't broke, don't fix it kind of things, in my opinion. So on my butt kicker, I, I wanted the volume to be consistent and separate from the master volume of the audio. And so I ended up buying from Amazon a $8 usb sound card it's like a small adapter thing you just plug it in usb it's got a little eighth inch jack and you just plug it in that way and so that separated it so i could uh have a separate volume for the uh butt kicker versus the regular audio yeah and what we talked about is that because you're running speakers and you have to kind of you get you have to choose how loud you're going to have them based on on what time of day it is and such if it's going to disturb a certain family i'm always through headphones so my volume level does not change that much i do ha- i have the lfe con- i have a key bound to control the lfe volume if i want to turn it up and down i have a key bound to the master volume but because i change so little i it's it, i don't have to move them that that much and i can it's easy to fix the balance uh so it, it's it, it's working for what i need but what what you have makes sense for your needs yeah see i run my book here through uh sim hub and the only reason I did that is because you can fine tune what you want to feel and what you don't want to feel. So that's the only reason I did that. Um, of course, I have to run mine through my GoXLR just so I can hear it. And so I have to change a bunch of settings in it. And I have actually a profile set up just for iRacing. Just that way, if I want to use the butt kicker, then I'm going to switch that profile and it changes everything I need compared to just everyday use for like watching YouTube or whatever it may be. Yeah, but I got the sim hub too. Yeah, but since you've since you installed that, back, that was back when iRacing only had just the the single output for LFE. They Correct. have up, they have upgraded it now because I turn my engine noise down and max out my my wheel hop over over everything. I like to turn the curbs up too because I like that immersion when I run when I'm running over the curbs in in particularly in road courses. But I do have the I, I have the I can control what's high and what's low. Like I have wind turned down to nothing and engine noise turned down to nothing because I don't need to hear the engine. It doesn't tell me what the car feels like. I can tell, particularly when I'm in a in an oval car, from the vibration how hard I'm sliding the tire. Yeah, um, 
I, my only setback with using iRacing for the LFE is that they don't separate channels for individual units for individual butt kickers. So that's something only like a sim, sim hub or um, or sim commander can do that. So if iRacing gets that ability where they can uh, support multiple multiple LFEs, then I would probably check it out and see if it's something I want to switch over to. I'm running a sim hub. I like all the different options for adjustment. Um, I paid them the fee for the licensed version. It was like nine bucks. I'm like, why not? You know? And so, yeah, I'm happy with it. Let's keep rocking. Uh, we got winner announcements. Logitech G Esports. We've talked about that contest uh, over the last few months, but um, the winners are Philip, Philippe Samard. Nick Ottinger and Brandon Hawken. Well done. I don't remember what they win, but uh, boy, we win with this uh, release. Uh, season one, patch two, uh, release notes, David. Yeah, this is pretty good timing, and it's about roughly when we guessed it would probably come out. Uh, before I even look at the notes, I'm going to say 670 is here, and then I'm going to insert some choir singing or something in, into the post-edit, right? Ah, something like that. Um, so yeah, they they've brought in the new package for the for the car, and they also updated the draft package for both this car and the the Gen Six car. And we we'll talk more about that a little bit later. Um, there's some changes to the UI. They say that they've dramatically improved the format information and detail that can be found on license SR and NPR status. I would like to know when they they will let you know and hosted what the types of sessions are because I don't know if they fixed that yet. Right? No. Okay. Uh, they do say up next, they're going to fix favorited cars, tracks, and series that are not getting properly reflected when applying filters that I will start using when I switch completely. If I switch over to the AI, cause I like having just one quick click to go to IMSA. I only run three series most of the time. So I like to have quick cl clicks there. There's an issue where series selection schedules were changed, the car selection drop box, and causing some edges to, to appear over the drop down section. They fixed that. They've added a tooltip for team racing where where you can display the user that is a or you can let's see, it displays to the user that all available team drivers have been added. This is to make sure that uh, the default team case of a single driver on a default team. I as I read that it doesn't really compute with me. What does that mean to y'all? Uh, okay, well, they fixed something with team racing. <laughs> they resolved an issue with warm up times for heat racing. Um, there's some things with creator race and IA racing and paint shop in the simulation. This was a big one we posted uh, earlier in a chat, but it's all it's even in the patch. Reflex support is now available in NVIDIA, and um, it basically is something that helps uh, make the uh, GPU stay in boost mode um, and reduces latency. So I, I don't know if that's actually going to improve frame rate or not, but it's going to reduce input lag. Uh, they've added, and I don't know, it doesn't say on here what cards it was going to be good for, but I remember seeing in the article something around about the 3000 series and up is where it's really going to benefit. Yeah, it was 3000 series. I did see that too. So There's, real quick, if, if you have a 3000 series NVIDIA card, you need to go in the sim graphics and check mark this. I think that's how you turn it on. They've added a T-Major, which is the total frame time from when the renderer started. Okay, that's it's not total frame rate. It, it has to do with latency. It's just how late 
how long does it take for a frame to get from point A to point B is what the T bar is. And That's cool. It, uh, it's kind of a graph of your graphics card to see how is it performing. I, it's the way I read that. Well, the, the biggest thing with this is not necessarily about frame rate. This is about are, is what you're see, does what you're seeing match what the physics says is happening? So if if the car if the corner is actually closer to you than it looks like, then that can cause just you, it can cause you to not race as well because what you're when you're putting in all the information whether what it looks like and what it feels like if it doesn't match exactly where you actually are on the track as far as this as far as the game thinks, oh um, latency yeah that can cause that can cause performance issues. The there's spotter new, yep there's a new setting for the spotter. That, that basically changes how long the settings are delay show on the spring. All right. They have to disable TrueForce support temporarily. They're waiting for a patch from G-Hub. That's a Logitech thing. Mm-hmm. Cars. They fixed an issue for uh, the numbers on the Ferrari. There's a, they fixed an issue with the Hyundai. The Mercedes has less backfires. All right, draft, and we've already we just mentioned the draft parameters have been updated. So, do we want to go ahead and talk about last night, Mike? While we talk about yeah, the draft I mean, parameters? I think that's the big story of the week. I mean, we, we have so many big stories, and I think the draft package is the big one. It was it was so much fun. It was the way it it was supposed to be. I I didn't have the greatest result, uh, but the the car felt like it was supposed to feel like you could get really two working lanes. The middle did tend to be no man's land, but not always. The middle pulled it off sometimes too if they had a good run going. But it looked you see that in in real racing too a lot. If a couple of cars get left alone in the middle and everybody else is low and high, they would go to the back. So it felt very realistic. Um, when I was running the high line, I could, I could hold the car right on the wall. I could almost rim ride it, and so could the rest of the line. Um, and we would keep up with the inside line. It was, it was, it was so fun. I was trying to remember back when was it like this before, and my mind says 2018 for some reason. Like it hasn't been like this since 2018. Close, but in 2018. The high line wasn't as good as the middle line. In 2018, when you were running the second line, you basically had to side draft the crap out of the inside line to kind of keep even with them. Whereas here, they were getting completely apart from each other. So the side draft is still a factor. That's one of the things that was making that middle line have so much more trouble than the outside line. Right. So the out the outside line can truly be independently fast now instead of having to get down and and basically get as close make the track as short as possible. I think I think it's as close as realistic as they got, and that's good because that can cause a lot of issues when people uh, make takes when they're side drafting. They're trying, you know, if you you are trying to make that outside lane work, you got to be so close to the inside line to to uh, to stay close with them. You know, a lot of incidents uh, wind up happening because of that. Especially if you get around a guy who just can't keep it on the yellow line. Exactly. You know how in the past uh, couple of years it. It's always the bot. We always feed on the bottom on these restrictor plates in iRacing, but in real NASCAR, they feed on the top. Like if, when they line up in the middle of the race and they're single file, where are they? They're at the top. And we were always at the bottom. And we, we always would point that out as a discrepancy. Why are we different than them? Why are we running the bottom and they're on the top? Well, guess what, guys? The way they fix the draft, you want to run at the top now. And we did. And there were times last night where, there would be a four or five car breakaway 
from the pack. Not far. They wouldn't get out far. They wouldn't break away for long. But, uh, David, you were part of a, a breakaway there for a while, and you guys are just right along the wall. Yep. And uh, I had damage late from an unavoidable accident. So, but so the last I was running 160 miles an hour for the last 10 laps, uh, 40, 40 MPH off the, the pace. But uh, the the lead pack as that last group got split up was was rim riding even when there was nobody else with them. They ran the whole rest of the race on the high line. And then the second pack had a couple of guys arguing that they should stay on the bottom. But but I don't know, once you get that kind of separation, you, it's, it's tough to catch back up. But yeah, uh, it's exciting. And then if we move on to the next gen, that also has the new draft parameters. And the the uh, also the vehicle is basically being upgraded to the latest NASCAR rules. So we're up to the 670 horsepower lower downforce other than super speedways. They've also fixed an issue with the cyclic modulation engine sound for the high RPM. And when we first jumped into the server, one of the first things I asked is that they can you feel the force feedback yet? And and Christian Chandler immediately chimed in with um, almost upset with me, saying, "No, that's the way it's supposed to be." And he says it's what it feels like in the real car too. Right. Uh, if I can interject here real quick, I'm gonna go back on the uh, draft uh, topic there because it's one thing as you guys are in there racing, you're all focused. Uh, but Mike, I spotted for you and a couple of the guys last night and. Sitting back and actually being able to watch the draft take place, um, you know, as you said, we'd always seen we're racing on the bottom, NASCAR's racing on the top. Um, so when they made this change, at first the race started out, everybody was on the bottom, and I thought to myself, oh, well, this draft just didn't change. You know, it, it's still the same for the most part. And then I watched it come alive after about six, seven laps. I mean, everyone shuffled two lanes, and that top line stayed right there with the bottom line. And even at times, y'all were pulling along. So whatever change that they made, whatever they did to it, it helped big time. And when we were three wide, the middle was a no man's land. Boy, you get in the middle, you're going backwards. Uh, oh, yeah, you may as well put it in reverse. I almost felt like that was exaggerated or too exaggerated to me. Um, but, yeah, you you if you didn't want to be in the middle. but, uh, but really, And when it was three wide, you wanted to be on the outside, actually. Yeah, but really almost every time it was three, it was somebody in the middle. There was only two or three of them. Right, they didn't have a full length line, and how many cars you had in in a straight line mattered. Plus, the middle line is getting side drift from the outside and the inside. That is true. Now right. I'm done. <laughs> now, just to wrap up on uh, the car, I'm kind of kind of jump ahead here, but um, one as soon as the the car came out, not shortly after, Nick Nieben posted up a video of the the next gen car uh, checking the horsepower um, now nick said that the spoiler has not been updated visually um, it, uh, so if you're at a mile and a half it's it's supposed to be a four inch spoiler it's still this huge humongous spoiler so that hasn't been updated but apparently uh, according to the release notes we do have um, low down force high horsepower and sure enough, he ran uh, Texas, California, and spun the baby out uh, right off the bat. And it definitely has more power. Um, and so it was neat to see that video during the workday uh, right after the release. Thanks, Nick, for confirming uh, what we had all hoped for, that, uh, hey, we're going to be racing again. The first six weeks of NIS are going to be 
everything's going to get real shuffled because there's going to be some guys who kind of came in and have never actually had to run the higher horsepower cars at, at a big track. Now, I jumped into Las Vegas earlier today in a test. And uh, yeah, I could, I wrecked the car. Um, it's hard to drive. You cannot hold the throttle down like you have been at Las Vegas. You have to lift in the corners. Um, and it's loose coming off. So yeah, uh, get ready to drive the car again. So we're definitely excited about that. Let's talk tracks. Kyle, that curb that you hate? Well, guess what? It's already gone. Already. Thank goodness. Yeah. We, we literally started hearing the day the patch came out from people at Daytona that on the literally the, the that same weekend, they picked the curb. They took the curb off. IMSA did. They didn't want it there. So they took that curb off. And what they've done is instead they're, they've increased the penalty for cutting the bus stop. And they've also added some uh, tires in positions to make it a little harder to to cut the course in the same kind of places that the, that IMSA went with this, this time. So our racing was trying to go with what they saw and then IMSA turned around and made a change. Um, so, I mean, I would say in this case, you know, they, they, at that point they were stuck with it. They probably couldn't put a patch out on the day the, the race was going to start. And then the biggie, the Coliseum is here. You can now buy the, the uh, Los Angeles Coliseum short track. I didn't, uh, Kyle, you bought it. Yeah, I bought it. I did test the next gen. I had to first thing off the bat. Um, with the combination of the higher horsepower uh, and a small track, uh, the track is fun. I'll give you that with the car. Uh, braking for the corners is not as fun. Uh, you get a lot of wheel walk up, and I've even got my pedal set to where there's maybe I'm putting an 80% brake into this thing at all, and it's still getting lock up. So um, got to manage your... your braking pattern a little bit better there um now the one thing that i did do is i went through and i took a dirt midget and i probably put in 60 laps on this thing just having blast so if you're looking for something fun to do on this track and you have this track take you a dirt midget out there and have a little bit of fun change the gear ratio just a little bit you were drifting that baby oh yeah all right brian we got teasers through the week uh we also learned there's going to be lights yeah, so uh, let's get a little bit deeper into the Coliseum. So, uh, you know, we got a couple uh, early tweets in the week, you know, saying uh, that uh, that uh, things are getting close, that the release is coming up in a couple of days. Um, Greg Hill had posted some stuff about the ORC team has been hard at work getting all these um, getting all these changes up to date, um, and they finally roast, they posted an introduction video as well, which. Uh, is up to iRacing's typical standards of really high quality uh, video. And I gotta tell you, you know, this, think of the track of what you will. Some of the artwork surrounding the track is just top notch. Um, they, they, they show the camera going through the archways of the Coliseum and all of the, uh, the plaques and memorials are all there. Um, it's, it's really well done artistically. So uh, kudos to iRacing's artistic team really uh, going all out and making this just a beautiful track. And the whole scan is just beautiful. It's just the little details. Like you said, they, they have these bronze placards, uh, 3d bronze placards that hang on the, on the pillars and they just look so realistic, you know, and everything looks realistic. Like you said. Yeah. So uh, also we saw that, um, there's a, a tweet from Greg Hill showing the track illuminated at night. So, uh, uh, you know, is 
you know, obviously it's a, it's able to be eliminated at night at NASCAR or on iRacing, but um, I'm not sure if we just we found that out for sure if the actual uh, NASCAR track will be eliminated as well, right? I don't know when they're running, what time. So uh, I got a question. So Bristol is known as the last great Coliseum in NASCAR. Now, will, does it still stand as the last great Coliseum now? Yeah, it still is. Okay. The next new best Coliseum or something. There you go. Anthony Alfredo so, yes. did a video and he said, this place is tight. Yeah. So he, uh, Anthony, uh, posted a video on Twitter of him, him turning some laps around there. And yeah, I mean, he's just putting a heck of a lot of steering input to get around these corners. It's a, it's a quarter mile track with tight turns. So you can just imagine how, how, how hard it is to get around these corners. Um, so, uh, yeah, so, it, it should make for some pretty interesting racing. And uh, we've actually seen some uh, some posts from people who have uh, shown some racing results coming up. Now, I will say, though, one thing I do like about this track, and I'm guessing they probably did it with the uh, real track, is in both sets of corners, they put rumble strips on the inside. So that way you know if you're getting too close to the wall, if you're not really focusing on the wall and you're just focusing on getting a corner. So that's one great detail that they put into this track that I do like. Now I was working the day of the release and uh, watching for Nick Nebun's videos. Um, and he quickly put up one on the Coliseum as well. So I was able to see what's happening there. And it's interesting to watch the race there, Brian. Yeah. Nick Nebun uh, posted his entire clash race, including the heat results. And, um, it's the next gen cup cars which is new with the higher horsepower um you know tough braking like uh kyle was talking about and uh all that um adds up to a lot of cautions so he uh he did win a, he actually ran a clash race and won the thing so uh congratulations to nick for that uh but uh, i mean he put up uh some of the post-race stats and uh you know, you're talking about 50 caution laps on a 76 lap race so wow, that's a lot. That's three quarters of the race is under caution. That's that's not good. Well, see, that's why I decided not to buy this track after watching this because, first of all, that I noticed you have to break at the start finish line to make the corner. I mean, you really have to break early. You're only accelerating to halfway down that straightaway, and then you have to break. And so it, it's really exaggerated how how soon you have to get on the brakes. And the other thing is just the cautions. Like, like you said, I mean, he would, they would go green. They would run maybe a three quarters of a lap at caution, you know, and it felt just like Martinsville bottom split. And I'm like, yeah, you know, I don't know if I want to do this. Something interesting I saw in, as I just jumped into a middle part of the video is that they are shifting even at that little yeah, track. That was uh, second and third. Mm -hmm. That's a, something that's a little bit more beneficial with the five speed versus the four speed. And the, well, and it's actually, a, it's four speed at this track. You don't have a fifth gear. Well, it don't matter. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, um, do you actually not, does it say that in the setup or is it just, you can't ever get fast enough? You like, I've got mine on auto blip and it will, there's no fifth gear. It's just four. So another reason maybe not to run this was this post in the forums about, Every driver in the clash race loses SR. Every one of them. Yeah, that's that's scary. 
Is that possible? I guess it is. Yeah, yeah. it's just based I mean, on how many can, X's you get. Yeah. You can still win a race with 8X. So, yeah, you can definitely lose SR and win the race for sure. Well, now, now let's break it down here. So, Tyler Stocksberry, Stooksberry, posted up uh, that he thinks there might be something wrong with the SR with this particular track. So, here's his incidents. In the practice, he had a 2X. Qualifying, zero. The heat, zero. The warm-up for the race, he actually had a 4X. And during the feature, only a 2X. I wouldn't expect to lose SR with those kind of numbers. And if so, it should only be a little, depending on which laps it moves out of your running average. He lost a lot. It was one of those significant jump things. Now... I know the corner per incident thing, and it looks at his previous races and all that, but if you look at the picture that he posted and you look at the numbers, and it's like everybody in the field lost more than one, well, not everybody, but most of them lost close to one uh, SR, you know, 1.0 would be probably the average. One so point this though? seems weird. 1.0, yeah. That's a significant amount. Right. And so there's a lot of people here. 1.8, 1.1, 1.1, 1.1, 1.3, And then there's people that are under one as well. But, man, that, that seems weird. Yeah, the uh, person who finished second dropped 1.1 for a second-place finish. Now, staff member uh, Greg Hill posted that they are looking into it. Definitely could be a bug. And you already talked about our next video on here, right? The, our, the video with yeah. Nick running the uh, next gen. So the next thing we have is that uh, that this thing called NFTs has arrived at sim racing. What in the world is that? You've heard of crypto, right? It's kind of like crypto, but sort of different. Crypto. So I've been posting about this all week in the chat and all i've got is crickets i mean like nobody even knows what i'm talking about or cares <laughs> well, maybe that's what it is okay so we have a story from box this lap uh, post on their website saying that nfts have arrived in sim racing and uh it was that other company called the 24-hour uh, virtual lamar they actually have issued some nfts this week and they are for sale. And he was kind of poking fun at them. Um, now, separately, and before I even found this story, I was like, hey, I'm going to make an NFT. I'm going to make an iRacers Lounge podcast NFT. Why not? Because my son, he's 25, 26, and he's into crypto and this stuff. So he's been teaching me. And so I'm like, well, why not, man? Let's make one. So I did. And so uh, with my son's help, I figured out how to do it. I had to spend a, a dollar thirty-four to actually post it. And it's our 200th episode racing logo uh, that we used on the 200th episode for the uh, iRacers Lounge podcast. It's a special edition one-time usage logo. And it is now a proper NFT, and it is for sale. Um, for those young Gen Zers who might want to buy it for $250 over at FTX.us. And I did put, if you buy the NFT, 
we will coordinate to schedule you as a guest on a future episode. Oh, so it wouldn't benefit me to buy it then? No, but you can buy it just so you're the exclusive owner. So I'm not trying to undersell our own uh, merchandise here, but what do you get when you spend two hundred fifty dollars? I don't. You get a guest that. spot on the podcast, and you get this NFT, this original artwork by Bobby Jonas. You mean the same thing? You can copy and paste for free that thing. Yeah, you can right click and hit save as. Now, if we sell this for two hundred and fifty dollars, I'm going to give Bobby Jonas half of it because he made the logo. Thank you, Bobby. But uh, it'll be interesting to see if anyone buys it. It's kind of a joke, but uh, hey, I mean, people are buying pictures of monkeys for like hundreds of thousands of dollars. I mean, there's got to be some idiot out there who will buy this logo from me. There's people who, who buy jars of, of, of flatulence from, from women. So, yeah, who knows? Wait, what's that website? Look at Kyle. Does it it come at the same place as you get those candles? No, no. This is a woman on the internet who uh, who puts her forts in a jar and sells them online and gets and gets top dollar for it. She had to stop because she was eating so much cabbage that um, she was getting uh, she was having issues with her intestinal process. Okay, title idea: something to do with cabbage jar of cabbage nft cabbage you never or know it, 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 it might just pile up nice fun yeah that'll that, that'll preach right there um so this is a uh tweet uh on iRacing officials uh it's their instagram but um it comes from andreas moore who uh submitted a video of a huge pile up of these sports cars that uh uh, coming out of the XS's at Watkins Glen, and man, they are just careening into each other. It is a massive pile up. You know, at the, at the end of the S's, um, there's just walls on both sides. So, you know, the track closes up pretty quick, and then that sure is what happened here. It's there's like about 20 cars. Yeah, and there's about seven tires laying on the track. And, and then at there's the end, this last uh, guy. Did you see this last guy around 28, second 28? When he tries to go on the grass? Yeah, there's 20 cars piled up there, and he tries to cut through all that full speed. <laughs> yes. That's our at idiot. its finest. What an idiot. And it's it's cool because uh, they all have the new damage models, so you'll just see these free-flying tires just flying through the pack, you know, as they're, as they're flying off the cars. And it's, you just see this random tire just flying up through the track. It's pretty interesting. That's got to be the most massive wreck I've seen. Well, you get wrecks like that with Daytona too, but I mean that one where the guy just comes in late. I mean that should that kind of stupidity should almost be protestable. <laughs> Come on, <laughs> that should be a category. This guy he had stupid. a hole. He took it. <laughs> All right, let's go to Coke Racing. All right, so we have a team chart posted, and it's showing who has signed so far, and it's, it's uh, two thirds full, maybe. There we go. Now I can zoom in. Yeah, we've got one, two, three, about t- 10 gaps, maybe 12, 14. Yeah. So haven't heard from uh, Garrett. We know uh, Vicente has signed, but we haven't heard from Garrett or any of the other ESC guys yet. Garrett, Garrett Maines, not Garrett Lowe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Um, we still haven't heard from the returning champion, right? But the 23XI is still, uh, 2311 is still open, and that's where he right. was last year. Yeah, Keegan uh, Leahy hasn't been announced. Keegan and Mitchell DeJong were both on their team last year. Yeah, and uh, I noticed, uh, yeah, there's a lot of gaps on here. Elliot Sadler's team doesn't have, has the two openings too. So I bet you, I'm, I'm going to guess the holdup is lining up sponsorship arrangements. Probably. Probably. And they got some time still till the race, but we did have an announcement today and it was uh, Mike Conti and Briar LaPrade are going to be with Junior Motorsports. And so Mike Conti continues with Junior Motorsports and Briar LaPrade, a rookie, taking over for the uh, leaving uh, Brad Davies. And so it's kind of bittersweet to see Brad Davies gone. Uh, Brad has been in the series for quite some time, um, and he did not make it this year. Um, he had a bad uh, road to pro and and whatnot, but uh, but yeah, he's still running the esports team for Junior Motorsports. I believe he works at Junior Motorsports, and uh, but yeah, neat lineup. All right, guys, we're gonna go uh, get dirty here with uh, with the uh, World of Outlaws Week Nine at Weed Sports Speedway. So the World of Outlaws Sprint Car Championship Series at Weed Sport for the next to last race of the season with Alex Bergeron coming in, holding a narrow four point lead for the championship over Cameron Merriman and nineteen points ahead ahead of uh, James Eden. And then Braden Ayler was a fast qualifier, but hit the wall in his heat race, allowing last week's winner Evan Say to take the win and pull in the feature. Cameron Merriman wins the heat two, meaning he'll start on the outside of row one and a great spot to claim the points lead. So Alex Bergeron, he actually started third in his heat, so he did not have a good qualifying, and that's really important in these races. And he finished third in his heat, so... He would, that means he's going to be starting from the middle of the field on a short bull ring. So that's always a tough uh, spot to be in. Left him with a lot of work to be done to chase down Merriman, who's starting on the pole, on the outside pole. Evan Say takes the lead early, but his car goes away midway through the race when Merriman takes over the lead. Meanwhile, Bergeron is marred down to tw- 12th place and unable to advance through the field. So Merriman pulled away from the field with a three-second lead. Um, when the, a late caution brought the field back together and had put a, a hungry Caden Carwell ready to pounce on him from second place. Uh, when the final green card dropped, Merriman loosed, lost traction on a slick section on the restart and allowed Cardwell to get alongside him with just two to go. The two drivers make contact and Cardwell takes the lead and stays there for his second win of the season. Merriman gets bumped back to finish P4, but that was enough for him to take the series point lead over ninth place Bergeron. Yeah, so heading into the final race next week is going to be Cameron Merriman. He's going to have a 13-point lead. Uh, they're going to the dirt track at Charlotte. And uh, so he's going to be trying to hold off Alex Bergeron, who's looking for his fourth consecutive championship. Um, that was a really interesting finish to the race because um, uh, if, if Merriman wins that race, you know, the point difference from first to ninth where Bergeron finished would have been a lot bigger than, uh, you know, from fourth to ninth. So uh, Merriman really could have, could have put the lead almost out of reach if he had held on to win that race, but he got marred. He got, he got tied up with, uh, with Hayden Cardwell on a restart, made some contact and uh, 
he lost a few positions. That's like the second week in a row where Cameron Merriman had a had a chance of really taking a stranglehold in this championship. But going into the last race, thirteen points is a it's an okay lead. It's certainly not uh, you know out of reach by any means, but it does mean that Bergeron's going to have to finish really well next week, and Cameron Merriman's going to have to finish you know a little further down the field. So. All Merriman needs is a solid, you know, top five finish next week, and he'll definitely win no matter what. Um, and and that means that Bergeron's going to have to finish pretty much at the very top two or three spots for that to happen. So uh, last week's coming up. Um, it's been a really cool season. Uh, Merriman would be uh, – this would be his first championship if he gets it. And he's actually an unaffiliated driver compared to those other guys. Most of the field has some kind of team that they're – running with um but he is completely unaffiliated so that would be pretty neat to see like an independent uh win a win a national you know one of these big championship series so uh we'll uh we'll be uh checking it out next week and, and see how the season wraps up yeah bergeron's had two disconnects this season i think two disconnects yep yeah that's the difference probably yeah sure is and uh i mean merriman's been solid he hasn't had any issues like that all year he's been Mostly finishing really well up until the week before last when he was uh he crashed himself while getting ready to come to the finish of a race and wow it's it's uh, that that one mistake could 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 have eventually cost the whole championship but um, he's still he's still in the driver's seat and uh, and uh, it, it's it's going to make for a really interesting last race. All right, ready for that? Let's talk uh, current events, David. All right. It looks like the first thing we have is that is this supposed to be the nineteenth annual major series? Ninth. Oh, it is the ninth. What's the T then? I guess just a typo. Yeah. All right. So yeah, we've got a the major series Daytona five hundred coming up. I might be racing this one. Uh, we'll see. And check it out. The, there's a Facebook link. Uh, what's the date on it though? Uh, February sixth is race day. Now they have. Some crazy schedule. If you go to the link and click the link onto their website, majorseries.com, they have uh, duels, like 15 of them. And so you have to get in one of these duels. And then uh, the main event, they have Australian, uh, European, and American Daytona 500s. And so there's actually three different 500s. I remember running this last year. And yeah, you could actually qualify in... They do it basically like at Daytona. There's a certain number of the drivers that are qualified in with 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 basically the top, I think, 10 or so points from the previous year. And then the pole sitter and the outside guy get in and a few other times. Uh, no, I think it's just the pole sitter and the outside pole sitter get in. And then everybody else is qual- qualifies through the majors with while well, through the duels. And then the last few spots are put in on time after those who who score high at the duels. I'm glad to know they have the new draft package out because that was one of the biggest things that had me hesitating. I didn't want to run it if they had not made those updates yet. All right. Brian, how about the next one? Is something with Hyundai. Yeah, this is from Race Spot TV. It's the Hyundai N E Festival Global League on iRacing. It kicked off Monday with pre-qualifying uh, taking place from January 24th through February 14th. Um, so through three weeks of pre-qualifying, there's going to be 30 drivers who will be qualified or invited to the main round. And uh, yeah, this is a 
This is a serious, uh, serious surprise pool. Uh, we're talking a prize pool of forty thousand U.S. dollars, ten thousand for first place, including tickets to the WRC hospitality experience. Second place is five thousand dollars. Third place is three thousand dollars. So, uh, so yeah, so that's a, a really big prize pool for this race. And uh, Hyundai, you know, this is their first car in the series in the uh, sim, and uh, they are coming in uh, full full bore. Love it, you know, like BMW has their thing, and uh, it's so cool to have Hyundai doing something too. And um, now, how do you get involved? I haven't figured that out, um, but yeah, it's worth looking into. That's for sure. And uh, there's still there's still time to get in through the qualifying rounds to go uh, find uh, the Hyundai NE Festival. The next is uh, been announced the 2022 Bathurst 12 Hours Endurance Race staged at Mount Panorama. And it's going to be February 11th through the 13th, uh, the normal four time slots. And I got to say traffic on this, on the forums is high, way higher than it was last year. And I just think it's because we've come off such a big, successful Daytona 24. There's a lot of people still hyped up about that and are going to run this when maybe in past years they didn't. Yeah, I've never ran the Bathurst uh, 12-hour race before. So I've done little small races and whatnot. So to do the 12, I'm actually pretty excited to try to get in there and do that. I don't think I've ever gotten to run the, this one in the GTE. We've tried it a couple times in the supercar and I'm just, I'm just terrible there at the supercar I can't stand it but I'm looking forward to trying it in one of the GTE cars yeah I ran it last year with the uh, Lamborghini with a couple guys with Peep Copco and some of the guys from uh, OBRL at the time and uh, yeah it was a it's a fun event uh, but uh, that's a tough track though it's not one of my it's not not as easy track as Daytona that you can learn fairly easily Pathurst um, is a little trickier Elevation going up and down, the, going up and down the hill, you make a mistake, you're you're in the wall. You know, there's, there's no walls everywhere. There's no off there's tracks. No runoff. Yep, exactly. All right, a couple quick mention reminders. OBR Metro Cup is still open. Yeah, so uh, they're coming up. Their season's coming up the, the second week of February. Uh, so get your applications in if you're not signed up yet at the OBRL OldBastardRacing.com, and uh, yeah. There's a big prize pool for that series. It's a it's a great series and a great league. So uh, get it in. You got to be 35 years or over on the 3500 I rating. And also the podium 500, which has become almost a staple event now, is returning on February 13th. Yeah, their events start on the 10th, 11th, and 12th. Uh, they have looks like eight heat races, two last chance qualifiers, and then two duels before the main event. The next is a prelude to the Daytona 500. Um, this was sent in by a listener, and I'm trying to read it. Let me see if I can make it bigger. There's payouts of 500, 250, 150, and 50. Yeah, this, we just got the image, and it's kind of small. Yeah, it's by Full Send, uh, so you'll have to Google it, but it's called the Prelude to the Daytona 500. Uh, check them out. They have stages. I don't know if they're going to throw cautions or not. All right, housekeeping, uh, don't forget the Aftermath podcast. Um, we do have our website, iRacersLounge.com, where you can follow along visually. And we are on the Performance Motorsports Network. 
Also, join our Discord and uh, start interacting with us. We have a lot of regular chats in the lounge talking about who's racing what. Um, we tee some of our upcoming topics, and uh, we're trying to get it set up where we can announce some of our live streams on there as well once we get that going. So check us out on Discord. Link should be in the description. Uh, just in case that it's not, I can get it by the link real quick. It's going to be dsc.gg forward slash iRacers dash lounge. That is the link to the Discord. Uh, easy to get in. Have fun. Yeah, and I've been in there chatting up topic ideas, and uh, and we talked about the uh, next-gen package. And so come join the conversation. Uh, it's pretty fun. Will this computer run iRacing? Not now. Okay, Brian, let's kick off the hardware with LCD telemetry boxes. Yeah, this is a new product from U-House Racing Designs. It's spelled Y-U-H-O-U-S-E, Racing Designs. It's uh, new to their stable is the LCD telemetry box. So check them out and uh, let them know what you think. Um, they are compatible only with SimHub and are plug up, plug set up to your data and play. So it's plug and play basically. And uh, you can send your orders in through their Facebook page at U-House Racing Designs. Um, have not seen any any listings for prices on these things, but um, it looks fairly basic. Carbon fiber design on the front with the LCD screen. That's going to give you some uh, some information like speed and lap times and stuff like that. I have the fairly next one. Or go ahead. I was just going to say it's a fairly simple concept, but um, looks like it would mount pretty easily to uh, like an eighty twenty or any type of rig like that. Um, and uh, yeah, it looks like it's basic, but could give you what you're looking for. Now, Mike, is this next one the rig that you almost thought about buying for, for no, the record? No, Greg was. Okay. Ah, okay. Well, the the uh, Instagram link is broken, so you, you might want to take a look at that. But um, what we've got here is a V rig triple monitor setup. Um, and it, it doesn't, it's not 80, 20, it's a, but it's, it's not like tubular. It still looks kind of a more of a boxy set, but it's, it's got a lot of the angles that you see. And the good thing about some of those angles is if triangular bracing tends to be one of the strongest options, right? So it's, it's neat looking, um, but I can't tell you a whole lot about it cause I just got the one shot. Well, I think you have to be following them for the link to work cause it does work for me, but um, it shows an animation of this triple monitor mount that they've uh, that they sell now with the V rig, and it is freaking cool. I mean, the monitor, uh, mo the triple monitors move like the rig does. They go up and down, and then the angle will go in and out. You know, depending on what configuration you put the V rig in, and so. Uh, yeah, like Greg said, if if it wasn't from Europe, he probably would have bought it. Oh, so is this is this the one that had all the stuff that moves out of your way when you're ready to get out of the car? Yeah, it mo everything moves. Yeah, it's all mechanical and it's got real sharp uh, corners and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I was able to watch the video, um, and you know, it, it's it almost looks like a transformer just folding back up. You know, when you when you're done with it, so it's a uh, doesn't take up a whole lot of space in your room. Um, and, uh, you know, it switches, it can switch from a, like a GT position to more of a formula style position. The pedals, uh, move with it, the back, the uh, seat leans back to a more, um, F1 style position. And then it 
and come back up to GT style, the monitors fold in on themselves, the triple monitors fold in um, when you're done. So it uh, kind of packs itself all together. It's, it's really neat. I love the, the, when you're done thing, it, the seat goes all the way forward. The, the, the wheel goes kind of up in the air out of the way and the triple monitors collapse in and it like has this real small footprint. Does it make a transformer sound effect when it's changing? No, but it's pretty cool. All right. Next up is reviewing the new cube controls F pro wheel. And so James uh, on YouTube, he reviews uh, this wheel and it's a beauty. And I, I kind of forgot about cube controls and how nice their wheels are because we've been drooling over the Gomez wheels lately. Um, but this one is just as good as those Gomez ones, in my opinion. Um, very similar, very similar in price as well. Um, this is a upgrade over the previous wheel that they were selling. It's like a V2. And so the reviewer was comparing the old wheel to the new one. He said it's got a little more heft to it. It feels a little more real, um, updated, you know, materials, that kind of thing. Yeah, I'm actually looking into getting uh, Gomez wheel here pretty soon, actually. Nice. Well, you might compare, you do this one as a comparison, Kyle. I mean, yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking about doing now that I've seen this uh, here on the, uh, the site. So I'm going to look at those and see what there is. Um, the one thing that le led me to the Gomez wheel is the uh, on wheel display. Right. Yeah. This one doesn't have that, but whatever formula you get, just make sure you have the analog pedals as well as the shifters so you can do launches properly. Can't you? Uh, do. Is, is it Gomez where you can uh, follow them making it online? They like stream the video. Str they twitch process. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. What's cool is this next one. Yeah, this was uh, posted on a Reddit from somebody who calls himself 9999monkeys. But what it is is basically a driving simulator that's like a real car dashboard, it looks like. So he said he spent $25,000, not including the monitors, which is two big, uh, looks like the Samsung G9's monitors. Um, but, the, but the wheel is an actual Subaru uh, wheel and the full dashboard, including uh, a radio. Um, so, and then it's got the console on the side with the shifter, handbrake, uh, e-brake and all that stuff. It's, you know, it's pretty much working parts of a vehicle set up for a, uh, for a, wor a working rig. It's pretty cool. I mean, it's, it's literally, like you said, the center console and the, the dash, out of a real car, he just got it set up here in the room. And the other unique uh, thing about the setup is the monitors. Now he went with two ultra wides, and so he's got the the seam down the middle would drive me crazy. I mean, I, who runs two monitors instead of three? I just don't get it. So yeah, so I mean, I, I'm, I'm wondering if like uh, his uh, speedometer and all that are set up to the rig as well, you know. If he managed to figure out a way to get those uh, gauges on his on his uh, dashboard to actually work with what the sim outputs are, well, I guess you we can have see a lot of the. Oh, sorry, sorry, real quick, you see a lot of the construction is uh, eighty twenty profile stuff that he uh, mounted it to. So, uh, so that's the the skeleton I was I, I'll say of the system. So, just gives you another reason why 
issue or another example of how how easily you can use 8020 to, to create a lot of different designs not just your store normal rig that, that you don't see right you can't just take a car dash and just set it on the floor i mean it has to be propped up on something so to speak you know right mounted or something you're definitely not joking but um what i guess some people almost kind of think of a joke now is the trickle of information about the the uh, thrustmaster d direct drive that's coming out the latest video talks about um i guess the quick release right we talked about this last week yes. Oh, okay. Did we just, I guess, cover it twice? We now? did. Okay. No, no. So what happened last week we talked about was Thrustmaster is putting out teases, but they're only doing it every two months. Okay. Right. So Greg was making so fun did. of them last week, and now this guy on YouTube is also making fun of them, uh, saying it's becoming a joke. All right. I guess I should. that's uh, what you get when you not watch the video. But that's what he uh, basically says. Uh, you know, he said the same thing Greg said last week, which is, you know, this is kind of lame. Are we being a little bit gatekeeper-ish, though, because we're all sitting with our, our Fanatec direct drives and we're just, are we kind of just looking down our nose at Thrustmaster, maybe? I don't, None of us I ever buy am. a Thrustmaster, so maybe. Right, but but my the I think the crux of the issue is not not the product and the quality of it cuz if it's priced well and it and it's it works the marketing. well it's the marketing of how they're trickling out every 3 months you know it, it makes it seem like it's going to be news of trickling before the things finally released um, so you know at at this pace they you know they're, they're letting out a little bit of information every 2 to 3 months and you know you can speculate that it's going to be a real long time before you actually see anything well, and, you know, does their product deserve this kind of hype, you know, that they're supposedly trying to draw up? Probably not, you know, so, right. yeah. For example, uh, Fanatec with the CSL DDs, I mean, they they released the information of it, and it was available, well, to order anyway, you know, within a relatively quick amount of time. Where this thing, you know, they keep giving you information, information, and you don't even know when you're going to be able to buy the thing. Right. All right, next up is, uh, we talked about this briefly, but um, iRacing now includes the NVIDIA Reflex low latency ecosystem. And as we mentioned, if you have a 3000 card uh, or higher, you can turn that on in iRacing. And so we have an article from NVIDIA about it, as well as Traxian.gg covered it. Um, when you pull up the NVIDIA website, um, it talks about, how it works and it's really about latency um it, it you know to get the competitive edge you need you need sub 25 millisecond uh response time and so it basically this software or this system that they've added uh does that and iRacing is one of the supported games so usually it's like overwatch and rainbow six siege and apex legends and other games but now iRacing is uh purposely tuned as they would call it call it for this well we're about to get a bunch now, of hate mail mike called <laughs> iRacing a game Ooh, what you well, that's what nvidia calls them so um does does this affect the vr at all i don't or is that strictly a monitor it affects the graphics processing so it'll help both okay it's ultimately going to come down to the signal is the the visual signal when you're hitting 
position on the track is going to more match the physics that the computer thinks is there. So it might eventually help a little with Nethcode even. Yeah. So like I said, if you have that card, turn it on. Yeah. So next up, we have a uh, a video from Dave Cam, who's like one of the really good uh, streamers to watch. And he put out a video about triple monitors and why he runs 27-inch monitors for his triples. So he, he posted this video and explains all, all, all of his reasoning behind it. Um, I watched it uh, for the most part, and uh, a lot of it has to do with, he, he thinks, with the triple. And he uses flat screens, too. So he likes that he thinks that the proportions are more correct for him with 27s um he even goes and uh references like uh boosted media setup where he's got like these giant six triple 65s that he runs and uh how he's got to set the the monitors further away from him to get the right perspective and uh he also goes into things like uh computer usage and energy usage for for like uh doing these giant screens and in triple triple monitors so uh, so he gives some good reasons and a lot of them make sense yeah and physical footprint you know how bit how much space does triple 65s take you know versus 27s and he has a small space uh to to use so um he also mentioned 1440p as a minimum with one millisecond on the monitors and uh he had been like few actually uh, send him some yeah and uh, was this was like 160 um, on megahertz refresh on hertz, rate, right? Yeah. Now, what's interesting is Greg made the decision to buy triples. Well, and he was deciding between 27 or 32, literally the day before Dave Cam put this video out. And so I was teasing Greg a little bit, you know, because Greg ended up buying 32s. And uh, I said, hey, you know, Greg, uh, by the way, Dave Cam said you should buy 27s. Could have saved a couple dollars probably, right? I agree I about the proportion thing, though. That's why I like 27. I don't think it's going to be a huge difference between 27 and what, what Greg got, 32s. But might might just make mean he has to move him a little further away from his, uh, his eyes to get the proportion right. So it will work that out. I think the way to describe it is my real steering wheel I'm holding in my hand is almost the same size as the virtual steering wheel I see on the monitor. And if I had 32s, that virtual one would be much bigger. Yeah, so visually that's got to be a lot more pleasing to your eyes and make a little bit more sense. It's a one-to-one ratio. Virtual wheel, yeah, exactly. But bigger sometimes is better, I guess. Well, couldn't you actually essentially shrink everything in the car down on the 30s on the 32s to to get the same effect and have more field of view they have that zoom thing right or you could but you could basically uh i just have more yeah field of view is, is is what i'm thinking you'd have more more pixels to the right and more pixels to the left and and up and down because you have the same space instead of just making everything bigger on the 20 on the on the 32s all right, we got time for one more before results. And what we have is a tour of a motion sim review. Uh, it's it's uh, the TL3 light rig. 
and I can't I, I can't tell if it's a projector. It looks projectorish, but it's yeah, triple projectors. It's, it's a okay, so it is triples, but they're small ones, aren't they? They're right there up on the top, uh, and it wraps around a uh, two hundred degrees, and then the rig itself is pretty light, and it for for this giant project projector rig it's actually not that giant does not take up that much space and you if you jump towards the end of the video around minute 12 13 you can see him actually driving it um and you have full way full vision to the right and left you can see the whole car now we've talked about this before it's called motionsimulation.com they're in great britain their biggest uh unit or best units fifty thousand pounds now, what they've developed is the, the that unit, but the light version. And it, it also has the triple projection system, but it's on a, a, a different kind of screen uh, setup. It's a little bit, it looks more like a temporary one or a more uh, lightweight setup. And apparently you can get that set up for 7,000 uh, pounds. So they got a, a value uh, package. And then he, he goes over the various rigs that they offer. They have an entry level. They have a secondary entry level. They have a third you know entry level. Like the first one is without any wheel or pedals. The second one includes Logitech. The third one includes a direct drive and, and upgraded pedals. So they have different setups depending on your needs. So uh, pretty cool. right results let's get into it and we're going to talk hosted first because that's what i ran caladega cadillacs and i won after starting dead last uh pretty fun uh to try to get some wins at these restrictor plates as we go into the 500 let's talk uh winter league uh we we kind of talked about the package uh david but let's talk results i ended up wrecked out but was happy with my results, I was running as high as P2. I mean, I was in the mix uh, and uh, loving it. Yep, and at that, when you were running that high, I was in. I was hunting for uh, a uh, like the lucky dog position because I sped in the first green flag pit stop. I ended up with a P16. Uh, I did get the lucky dog. I was the. I caught on. I, I stayed low and caught on to the first and second place driver of the lead pack after the green flag pit stops and was able to ride them past all the other lap cars and was sitting in lucky dog position when the wreck happened a little bit behind us got back on the lead lap we and when we went green we were literally actually we had another caution i think that's the one that took y'all out but I, I stayed out because we were only 42 laps from the end and i was showing a range of about 41 but after we got going it, it wasn't going to quite be enough and so I finally flipped the switch and went back up high and started trying to get back towards the front of the second pack of guys who had all been trying to save fuel. And then there was an incident with, I, I think, a lapper. I didn't see exactly what happened. I, I heard him talking about it, but I, I just know that there was a car suddenly stopped in front of me and I plowed into him and had 30 seconds of required repair and like 10 minutes of optional. Uh, ended up running the rest of the race, which was about 10 laps with a damaged car but it actually got me a few spots just like in the old days because even with that p16 i actually jumped to a tie for seventh place in the points yeah and then adam jocelyn ran with us i think he got wrecked out too yeah in the same accident i believe as you yeah yeah he had a good run and me and him were working together a, a few different times um he was making some moves and 
like he would drop down to the middle and fall back. Like I said, the middle was just uh, horrible, but um, you would learn and you'd learn to stay in the bottom or the top and uh, it was fun. Uh, the other thing, David, we didn't mention was there's some iRacing staff in there. They did ask uh, everyone to stay after the race to give them feedback about the drafting package. And uh, I think, you know, I mentioned something uh, to Christian. I think you did too. Well, I didn't get to stay for the end of the race because we, we come to the end of the race. I, I crossed the finish line, get get the car stopped as quick as I can because my bladder was screaming. And I actually tripped on my VR and unplugged the the key the wire to the VR and that caused Steam to close. And if if Steam VR closes, it shuts down iRacing. So I didn't get to stick around and talk to him. So I just messaged Alan and said, pass this on for me, which was that it was pretty awesome. The only thing I had mentioned is that the cars it really you could run you could almost tandem draft and they wouldn't get hot. And he said the tape was all the way down to ten percent. So I did notice that. I'll be curious to see what what kind of tape you can get away with uh in the open setups but yeah the package was pretty awesome and that was gen six so hopefully gen seven plays out the same way tony's had good things to say about it he's been doing a lot of card cup lately i've tried a couple card cups today and got wrecked out uh first lap so i haven't really had a chance to figure it out all right next up uh, man cave after dark thursday night truck league i ran at nashville wrecked out it was hard to pass. I finally got underneath a guy. I held my line just fine, but he doored into me, and then I was slow after that. I took my quick fix on the green flag stop, and I also got doored on pit road uh, right before that. I was side by side with the guy getting onto pit road under green flag, and he just ran right into me like he didn't even see me. Uh, I was looking good after that up to P9. Uh, then the same guy who caused me the damage previously took another guy out up ahead of me and I ended up plowing in with no more resets I was done but it was fun OBR L Arca Brian yeah so Monday night we were at Nashville not the super speedway the small track um just actually a lot of fun I didn't realize how much fun that was in the Arca cars especially um so I started um in P8 and uh you know, through attrition, some uh, some issues in front of me, I was able to get up to P3, and uh, on a restart, I was in P3, and um, and the car behind me just uh, braked later, and I did go in the first turn of the restart and spun me out, and that kind of just messed up the rest of the race. But I was able to manage to get back on the lead lap after repairing a little bit of damage, and uh, finished uh, P15. So. That's not terrible because there was about almost 30 cars. Might have been 30 cars there. So that's a pretty good turnout for a short track race. And uh, this was actually the last race before the playoffs starts for that series. Next week we'll start the first round of playoffs. I was uh, in the top. I was in the top four going into that. So I'll be looking to hopefully advance to the next round of playoffs. All right, OBRL Aftermath Truck Series. It was. Dwayne MacArthur for the win at Darlington. Josh Robinson second. Tom Ogle third. Kyle, uh, how about the IROC? Uh, tonight we were running Martinsville, so it's going to be a lot of eye pacing tonight. Um, looking forward to it, though. Hopefully it goes a lot clearer than what some of us are projecting it to be. Uh, but we all know how Martinsville usually goes on iRacing, so we'll see. Um, check us out. We are, are on PTM Racing TV on Facebook. And if you can't make that, they do post it on YouTube within an hour or two. 
Yeah, and tonight I'm running the Man Cave After Dark Truck Series at Michigan. Looking forward to that. All right, final thoughts, Brian McCubbin. Well, last week I mentioned something about getting a Starlink. Well, I jumped the gun a little bit too early on that one because it's not available in my area yet. Um, my latitude is a little too low. Apparently, the satellites are in a little bit uh, northern um, latitudes than what I'm at. So it is coming to my area. So uh, I'll have to wait a little longer for that. I think uh, by the end of this calendar year, it should be up and ready to go. So I'll just stay with my hockey puck uh, for now, the uh, the old uh, hotspot. So uh, that's going on there. And then um, I'm off work tomorrow, and I'm going to be tearing apart my uh, computer and updating to the new system that I purchased. So uh, I expect to be frustrated quite a bit, but hopefully it goes over pretty good. I can't tell you that they're they are launching now with the – with the Falcon nines into an, a newer uh, inclination, which is like how tilted the orbits are to the equator. So they're starting to put them in a, in a position that's going to get down further South. Uh, and also if they can get starship rolling within the next year, they'll be launching like 150 satellites at a time. It'll be pretty neat. Yeah. I think they're launching what 49, 50 a minute time right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, last week, Mike also mentioned the Verizon uh, home system that, it's really fast internet, but uh, that's not available in my area either. That seems to be located around population hubs from, from the map that I saw. So uh, I'm not sure if they'll be getting out to these rural sections anytime soon, but I'll keep an eye on it. Maybe maybe that'll work out better. Yeah, Verizon's not done. We're still building out, but you're right. It is around population centers, but over the coming year, uh, they're going to continue to Try to build it nationwide is the goal. So we're not done. Didn't the 5G rollout get some kind of halt because of uh, air traffic controllers? Yeah, we delayed for a couple of weeks, but it turned on on the 19th. So, okay. Uh, Kyle Pendigraph, final thought? Uh, well, my final thought is actually a little bit of a, uh, a call out here for myself. Uh, Alpino TV uh, was once on Facebook gaming uh, that has now changed. It's full time over on Twitch, um, which you will start seeing more iRacing content as I go back to my roots of streaming. Uh, so if you get a chance, go over to twitch.tv uh, forward slash loudpedal TV. You'll find me there. You'll find more iRacing content. Um, speaking of which, like tonight, I'll be streaming the race as well from my point of view. And then tomorrow, I've got some more league racing to do. So you'll be seeing that. I'm going to start at least two nights a week starting out getting iRacing on there, uh, I will probably jump up to three to four nights here soon. All right, smash the loud pedal. <laughs> David Hall, final thought. I think I've got my uh, streaming almost working. Last night we tried to run it and uh, on that other system and it kept crashing, but I figured out was it just doesn't like to run OBS and also have a remote desktop connected to that PC at the same time. It kept giving me blue screen errors. Um, and so I need viewers. Maybe maybe Kyle can raid raid my servers after his races end or something like that. That would be pretty fun. But the the big thing I want to talk about is the 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 fact that the Daytona twenty four it happened and it it worked. You know, it, it didn't crash. It took our server thirty minutes to finally spin up, but that's okay because when it spun up it still had the 30 minute warm up. So if you know, if you know that you can expect that, that it's just going to take a long, a long time. And so you're, 
your start time, your green flag time might be a little bit later, but you know, it is going to go that I feel a lot better about the fact that that works now. Um, yes, it was anxiety at the moment, but I could see when I was up and watching it, I could see that there was like six or seven servers that were running. And then I started getting reports on some of the discords. Hey, we got this one guy that just got in. All right. Then a little bit later, I could see there was about 20 servers up. So I, I started to see the picture that the, what they just did is they just said, it's not going to time out. It's just going to keep throwing the servers up and, until they're all up. And that's what it did. And we still had all the, all the warm up time. So nobody got, you know, it, it was not a situation where some people had to get in and, and not get to start until the race was already seven minutes in. Everybody was able to get in as soon as their server was running and you had the full warm-up time so that's kudos to to getting it all lined up all the stars lined up and having it running this time yeah kudos to iRacing it's a well executed event considering it's the largest one ever probably um well done all right my final thoughts uh wow the gen 7 i guess that's what we're going to call it or are we going to call it next gen i don't know um the Gen 7 is back and uh, to where it should have been all along. I think for the last several months, you know, we've been at this 550 horsepower. It's de developed kind of a bad taste in my mouth and, and I need to let that go and, uh, and not be racist to this car because when I got out there on Las Vegas and I went around that, that lap and I wrecked, it's because there's so much freaking power under the pedal, man. And it's just awesome that you have to lift in the corners. And I can't tell you how happy I am that NASCAR made the, this decision. Um, every NAS, every decision NASCAR is making these days, and we talked about one earlier today, has been bad. Um, and for them to, to take this step and to at least get us back on track on the racing side of it, thank God. Uh, 2022 is going to be fun and i'm looking forward to backing up my three wins in a row and the daytona 500 and uh we'll see if we can get it done we'll see you on the track later thank you for listening to the odd racers lounge podcast make sure you go subscribe to us on itunes soundcloud or google play facebook and twitter see you on the track